Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. The next Risk Live show in Los Angeles is on January 26. And we have author Andy Berman, the man who wrote the amazing memoir Electro Boy. Also on January 26. Risk is in New York City. Uh, we have Judy Gold and Julie Klausner. So get on out and see us. Also in New York, my next one-day storytelling workshop at the Story Studio is Sunday, December 18th. My next nine-week storytelling workshop starts January 15th. And I also do one-on-one -on -one storytelling coaching in person or online over Skype. Just go to thestorystudio.org. And folks, I know you like hearing true stories in your ear canals. Well, there's a hell of a lot more to be found if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash risk. So many people who have told amazing stories on this podcast tell more stories on Audible. I'm talking about Mike Daisy, Michael Ian Black, Janine Garofalo, Sarah Silverman, Michael Showalter, Mark Marin, Lisa Lampanelli, the Sklar Brothers, Margaret Cho, Kevin Nealon, Andy Borowitz, Christian Finnegan, Paul F. Tompkins, and many more. You can get a free audiobook and a free two-week trial at audiblepodcast.com slash risk. That's a gift that keeps giving, so go get it. Now here's the show. Kids, this is Extra Risk, the show where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. 
I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Group Love behind me now. Remarkable song called Tongue Tied. Today on the show, we're going to uh, hear a little bit from the Risk Live show in New York City. This is Matt McCarthy, just such a unique performer. <laughs> Matt is one of those people where you really just don't know what's going to come out of his mouth next. His website is McCarthyRedhead.com. You might remember he he told the story about being the uh, Fordham Ram, the Fordham University mascot on the show a little while back. Here he is with another adventure, and we call this one Black Sabbath. I love my brother. My brother's my hero. Uh, He is nine years older than me. Um, The reason I chose the story about my brother is, in addition to it being uncanny, I cannot hear the word uncanny without thinking of the uncanny X-Men. And I love comic books because my brother loved comic books. I love pro wrestling because my brother loved pro wrestling. All the bands I like, I like because my brother liked them. (laughs) I'm an unoriginal fuck. (laughs) So, Easter weekend, 1994, freshman year in high school. My parents had a house out on Nantucket. And they wanted me to go with them on Thursday after school, drive down to the ferry, go to Nantucket with them for the long weekend. I did not want to do this. (laughs) Didn't want to spend any more time with my parents than I had to. Also, there was a dance on Good Friday that I had to, had to, had to go to because there was a girl I was in love with. And and, I'm not really in love with, but as much as a 14-year-old can be in love with anything. And this was a big to-do. No, you got to come with us. We're not going to leave you home alone in the house all weekend. You don't have school on Friday. You don't have school on Monday. You're going to come with us. I'm like, no, you know what? Like, my friends are going to be meeting up on Friday during the day. And then we're going to go to the dance on Friday night. And I should mention that it wasn't a Good Friday dance, it was just an Easter dance, because that would be weird if there was a dance to celebrate the execution of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, So my brother, incredible, says, I'll drive him. I'll drive him first thing Saturday morning. He He can go to his dance, he can hang out with his friends during the day. Everything's all set. I'm like, there we go. Good, good. Good. So Friday morning comes, catch the rip to bus with a couple of my friends to Thayer Street, which is a hot spot in Providence. Uh, Brown University's near it and RISD's near it. And back in my day, there was as many as six record stores on Thayer Street. Now there are none. 
But luckily, there's a Johnny Rockets, a Gap, and a Starbucks. <sighs> and this is significant because it was the very beginning of April. It might have even been April 1st. And the Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails had just come out. And I bought it on CD. Who remembers CDs? <laughs> and it was unbelievable. Went home, we had a great time hanging out on Thayer Street. Put on the CD, listened to it, like, wow. This is the most unbelievable record I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Cut to the dance. There's the girl. And she was something. She had like these braids around her hair like this. And then the braids were like dyed with some like cheap hairspray that made like hair turn a different color. And this was 1994, that was radical. <laughs> and she wanted nothing to do with me. She didn't want to dance with me. She didn't want to talk to me. She didn't want to look at me. So I had a horrible, horrible time. Go back to my parents' house, the house is empty. I put the downward spiral by Nine Inch Nails on again, and it made a lot of sense. I was like, this is the most unbelievable record I've ever heard. Then I go to bed, and I proceed to dream. And in my dream, and, I, and I, I'm a very lucid dreamer, not, not that, probably that's the wrong word. I think that means that you can control your dreams. My dreams are just very vivid. And lots of times when I wake up, I'm still kind of half dreaming, and I've had a lot of ridiculous conversations with people who were in my room while I'm asleep for some reason. <laughs> and my dream, I'm dreaming, I'm like at a Rolling Stones concert or something, and they're playing Sympathy for the Devil, but they're only playing the one part where they're just going, woo-hoo, which will make you go fucking insane. So I wake up and I realize I'm not at a Rolling Stones concert, but I am definitely hearing Sympathy for the Devil louder than I've ever heard it in my life. And like I said, it's the beginning of April, so my windows were open, I realize it's coming from outside. So I'm like, well, I, I can't just lay here and, and, and wonder what's happening. So I, I poke my head out the window. And then Sympathy for the Devil gets even louder as the sliding door to our family room opens and my brother and his friend John come stumbling out of the house with lit cigarettes, which blew my fucking brains. I was like, oh my God, my, oh my, God my brother smokes? <laughs> and then they're proceeding to throw the lit cigarettes into the bird bath because that's conspicuous or inconspicuous. Fuck you, I don't know words. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I gotta find out what's going on. I gotta find out why music is blasting, why cigarettes are being smoked, and why my brother is up. So I go downstairs, and as soon as I open the door to the kitchen, my brother goes, So like I said, I'm 14 at the time, so my, t my brother's 23, right? And I remember what it was like when I was 23, and I don't blame him for doing what he was doing. So I go, what are you, what are you doing? And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, what are you doing? 
And he goes, what am I doing? I'm having a party! And I'm like, we, we got to get up in the morning. You got to drive me to the ferry. Like, I got to catch that boat. And he's like, I'll drive you to the ferry right now. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but I'm not gonna, because I'm partying! <laughs> so then he starts asking me about my day. And I'm like, oh, oh, I got the new Nine Inch Nails record, record, CD. And he's like, first of all, he almost breaks it because he threw it over his shoulder so fast. He puts both his hands on my shoulders, shoves me in a chair, and says, let me explain Black Sabbath to you. <laughs> puts on Black Sabbath, which is even louder than the Rolling Stones was. And then this is his speech about Black Sabbath. This, this, is, this is Black Sabbath according to my brother. All right. It's L.A. It's the late 60s. L.A. was dirt. Charlie Manson's in the north. The Black Panthers are in the south. And Black Sabbath took dirt. L.A. was dirt. And Black Sabbath took dirt and turned it into heavy metal. Then his friend John says, wait, wait, I'll go downstairs and I'll get the Black Sabbath VHF tape. Because we had our VCR, VCRs, remember those? <laughs> we had that in our basement. So he goes to the basement door and then proceeds to fall down every step leading to the basement. And I never see John again. Then I spend the next hour sitting in a chair with my brother holding me in the chair, explaining to me Black Sabbath, how crazy the drums were, the, how crazy the, listen to the bass, listen to the bass. And then how much acid Ozzy and, and Giza Butler did, and then all this other crap. And then I'm like, dude, you gotta drive me to a boat in the morning. So I was like, I'm gonna go to bed. And he's like, the teenagers going to bed when we're having a party! I go to bed. I wake up in the morning to the sound of an alarm clock blaring. And I didn't have an alarm clock in my room at that point. And I get up and I'm wondering, well, where is this noise coming from? I walk across the hall. It is my parents' alarm clock. And it is blasting as loud as it can go. And my brother is standing in the middle of my parents' room, fully clothed, shoes, pants, shirt, clothed, with his hand on his head, looking at the alarm clock like he doesn't know what the hell it is. And my first thought is, all right, he's up, he's dressed, thank God. I run back to my room, I pack a bag, throw in a bathing suit, throw in t-shirts, throw in shorts, whatever. The alarm is now off, and there's silence. I go back into my parents' room. My brother is dead asleep on, the, on, the, on, on my parents' bed, dead asleep. So I, I go, Michael, Michael, you got to drive me to the ferry. You gotta, we got to catch this boat. And my brother opens his eyes wider than I've ever seen a human open their eyes before. It was like waking up a zombie. And the only words he says are, 
you're right. And then springs up. We go downstairs. All the lights in the house are on. I'm thinking, this is a good sign. Then I see that the basement light is still on. Then I see that John is still laying on the stairs asleep. <laughs> then it dawns on me. My brother had not gotten up and gotten dressed. Those were his pajamas. The, the, the clothes he was wearing the night before. And shoes. Isn't that great when you sleep with shoes on? You're like, hey, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so now we get into a car. We get into a car! And like I said, I'm 14, I can't drive. My brother can drive, but can he drive? We proceed to go to the highway. There is a cassette in the tape deck. It is hanging halfway out. We hit a pothole. The cassette falls out of the tape deck on my side of the car between my feet. And my brother decides, well, I gotta go down and get that and is completely underneath the dashboard. And in the matter of seconds, which lasted days in my head, I am watching the car slowly veer to the grassy embankment that is separating the two lanes of traffic. He grabs the tape, pops up, and then corrects the car, and then looks at me and goes, you could've fucking said something! <laughs> Apparently this is my fault. Then we get on the highway. He is driving so fast, faster than I've ever driven in my life. And then he starts laughing. Starts with a small giggle, then it becomes maniacal. And then I'm like, what, what? And then he's like making me laugh and there's a lot of tension in the car and I'm thinking, oh good, this is gonna break the tension. And I go, what, what? And he goes, someone told me that there's a reptilian group that you're a member of. <laughs> what? Yeah, someone told me that there's a reptilian group that you're a member of. And I go, well, what does that mean? What's, what is a reptilian group? And he goes, yeah, man, that's where music's headed, reptilians, that's where people are going. <laughs> and that's the last time we talked for the entire car ride. And now, like I mentioned before, he's flying down the highway, and it's also already Saturday on the long weekend, so there are no cars. And we get to the Cape Cod very quickly. A little too quickly. And once we hit the Cape, my brother says to me, you're awfully talkative. And I go, are you all right? Are you, are you doing all right? And he goes, you know what? To be honest, I don't remember getting in this car. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, I just kind of realized we were in a car and I was driving it. <laughs> and then I asked him what the reptilian thing was. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you said that there was a reptilian group that I was a member of and that that's where m music and people were headed. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> 
So now we've got a lot of time to kill. And we're driving around the Cape, and he's like, I'll show you the sights. And at, at the time, my brother was working for one of the Kennedys in Rhode Island. And he's like, you know what? The, we're right near the Kennedy complex. So we drive up, and it's just fence, 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 gate. And we get to the gate, and he's like, wow, that's really weird. Usually there's an armed guard standing here. Oh, well, and then drives on to the Kennedy compound. So now we are driving around the Kennedy compound, this gigantic chunk of land that the Kennedys own. And we're driving around, and he's giving me a history lesson. He's like, yeah, that's where Jack used to go sailing. That's where Teddy used to go get drunk. That's where Joe used to do whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, all I'm thinking is armed guard, armed guard, armed guard, armed guard. Then we come back around, we pass the water, and then we're about to go up by the big house, like the main house. And there's a huge pane of glass, this gigantic window. And my brother's looking this way, and I'm looking through the window, and there's a gigantic banquet table with all the Kennedys and Shrivers having fucking breakfast. All of them, all of them. And I didn't know a lot of the faces, but I knew Ted Kennedy's fucking face. And he's sitting in the middle, and he's shoving eggs and shit in his face. <laughs> And I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, they can see us. Oh my God, they can see us. Oh my God, they're going to shoot us. They're going to call the armed guard. They're going to call the cops. They're going to call the CIA. They're going to call something we've never even heard of because they're the fucking Kennedys and we're driving around their house. <laughs> so I go, Michael, the Kennedys are eating breakfast. And he's like, that's a good idea. We should get some breakfast. <laughs> First place we go to won't let us in because we're wearing sandals. Next place won't let us in because we're wearing sandals. Then the next place lets us in, but then he says, my brother says to him, do you take credit cards? No, cash only. So now we gotta find a bank. So now my brother goes to a bank, drives in the wrong way, goes up to the window the wrong way. The woman's like, sir, you're facing the wrong way. And he's like, I just need some cash. It's a good attitude to have at a bank. We get the cash. We go back to the uh, restaurant. We go in, we eat. As soon, we didn't even eat yet. As soon as we ordered the food, I look at my watch because I'm the 14 year old and I'm the responsible one. And I go, oh my God, I only have a few minutes to catch the boat. We have wasted all the time we had. So now I am shoving stupid, like I'm, I, suddenly I turn into Ted Kennedy. I'm shoving eggs and fucking shit in my face. My brother's pounding coffee. Pounding coffee like some sort of a coffee pounder. We get into the car. We are flying to get to the ferry. We go to the first gate we see. Guy's like, you can't drive in here, it's an exit. And he's like, I'm trying to drop this kid off. And he's like, then you better drop him off. So I'm like, Michael, I love you, you are my hero. I jump out, I run. They have already pulled up the, the little walkway to get to the ferry. So now I am walking on where the cars are driving in. And then the guy's like, you better hurry up. So I fucking, I get on the boat and now the boat is packed. There are no seats. I find one seat, and I'm sitting next to two small children and an old man, I assume was grandpa or whatever, who has a tracheotomy, and he's got like the microphone right next to his thing. And I believe the word, see, I know some words. I believe the word is perseveration. When little kids think something is funny, and then they just want you to keep doing that thing over and over again. So for the entire two and a half hours of the boat ride, I got to listen to the two kids spell words, whether they were correct or incorrect, 
and then laugh hysterically when the old guy goes, that is correct, because they thought he sounded like a speaking spout. And he did, and he did, and he really did. So finally get off the boat, get to my parents. They're like, okay, let's go around town and then tell you what, you had to get up early today. We're not going to make you get up early tomorrow. We'll go to 5 o'clock mass tonight. So then we go to 5 o'clock mass, and here's the punchline of the story. We're sitting in 5 o'clock mass, Holy Communion. Everybody's watch, marching up, getting their communion. Suddenly a murmur starts. Then a bunch of whispers start. Then people are like looking around. And, then, and I see him. I see the back of his gigantic fucking head. And I'm like, please don't turn around. Please don't turn around. Turns around, Ted Kennedy's getting fucking communion. And we're standing in the back because the place is packed. And he is walking towards me. And he is looking at me. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He's gonna shoot me, he's gonna kill me. He's gonna start eating me like eggs. And then he comes up, he walks right up to me, he looks me in the face, and he says, absolutely nothing. And then he kept walking. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, if you spend Good Friday listening to Nine Inch Nails, Sympathy for the Devil, and Black Sabbath, Jesus will fuck with you the rest of the weekend. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. I'm Matt McCarthy. That's all for this go around, folks. Don't forget to go to iTunes and comment on our podcast. The more comments we get there, the more our star rises in that realm, and there's still just way too many people who don't know about risk yet. Also, on Twitter and Facebook, we're at Risk Show. If you go to our website, risk-show.com, you'll find our blog there, and you can also scroll down, and on the right side, you'll see a little guy putting gas in a tank. It says, keep risk running. That's where you can donate and help us keep this thing going. You can learn more about our storytelling school at thestorystudio.org. We have two all-star episodes. Uh, They are available in iTunes under albums. Just do a search for Risk All-Star. You can also get those directly from our shop on our site, risk-show.com. You will hear Lisa Lampanelli. Samantha B, Michael Ian Black, Paul F. Tompkins, Mark Marin, Sarah Silverman, Carrie Kenny Silver, Adam McKay, and Kevin Nealon on those fantastic episodes. Go get them. This is a mashup of uh, Elvis and the Rolling Stones. Guy who did it is named Phil B. Phil B. We'll be back next week with another amazing episode, a, a regular episode of Risk with four stories. So until then, folks. Today is the day. Take a risk.
is a mashup here of Elvis and the uh, and the Stones. It's um, uh, the, the, the 